0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands and worship him this this evening. Father, we just worship you tonight. We bless you. Lord, we give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. We thank you for your anointing. And Father, we just pray that you have your way this evening, that you're moved by your spirit, that you speak to each and every one of us. Let nobody leave this place the same. Give us a fresh word, a fresh touch, a fresh anointing. Open up our ears that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying tonight. And Father, we just thank you in advance for doing only what you can do for just giving us a right now word. And for it, we bless you. We give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on. Let's just give Jesus a praise tonight. Come on. Let's just give Jesus a praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. 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 God bless you. you can have your seats. How are you guys doing tonight? Guys, good. All right. All right. All right. All right. We're going to get right down to business tonight. I got to I've a lot to go over, so I want to kind of get moving on this as quickly as possible. Um, so turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Just a quick recap. I've been talking about the importance of being able to you know, discern things, particularly in the spirit, having spiritual discernment and um, also praying for the gift of discerning of spirits so that we are are able to see through the mask, literally. So in Isaiah chapter 11, verses one through three, it says there and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of of Jesse, speaking of Jesus, and a branch shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And I mentioned this, this is the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit in his full manifestation. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit in his full manifestation and shall make him a quick un- understanding in the fear of the Lord. And this is it right here. And he shall not judge after the sight of the eyes, neither approve rep- after the hearing of the ears. So that's speaking of the spiritual discernment of Jesus. He was he's not going to judge by what he sees, He's not going to just look at a person and uh make a conclusion. He's not just going to hear the words that they speak and make a decision. He's looking deeper into that or deeper than that. And in John chapter two, 23 to 25, it says, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, again, speaking of Jesus in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles, which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. See, now this is speaking of the spiritual discernment of Jesus. He knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. See, he wasn't just looking at man; he knew what was on the inside of the man. And um, uh, the the Old Testament revelation of that is when, you know, um, the prophet Samuel goes to David's house to anoint the next king. And God, and once he sees Eliab, who is David's eldest brother, as soon as he see him, he says, you know, it, it, this must be the guy. But God says, you know, I've, I've rejected him, you know, for men, God doesn't look at, look at men as men do it says, cause men look at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God is looking through the person and see, we need to be able to look through the person as well. So last week, you know, I know last several weeks I've been speaking about the importance of having spiritual discernment and the discernment sermon of spirits, especially as people that are in leadership. At that time, I defined discernment as the ability to be able to perceive, spiritually speaking, safety or danger. It's the ability to look at a situation without even having all the facts and knowing whether or not to proceed. This particularly is dealing with situations where you have to make an important or a critical decision. The discerning of spirits is one of the nine spiritual gifts given to the believer by the Holy Spirit. That is, it is when a person can look into the spirit and see what type of spirit is operating through another person. For example, you just meet a person for the first time. You don't know anything about the person. They haven't said anything or done anything wrong. They look like a good person. They're saying all the right things. They're doing all the right things. And they appear to be sincere. But something on the inside is telling you something's not right. You know, that's why you always got to check on the inside. Something's not right here. And I put here, see, it's not a good idea to override this feeling because it may just be God speaking to you about that individual. So never ignore that, you know, just dig deeper and see what God is trying to say about that situation or that individual. You know, you can just don't make a decision just because everything looks like it's right. You know, always make sure that you check on the inside and make sure that God has given you the green light to proceed. And that's what the Holy Spirit really is for. He's come on the inside of you to help you with decision making, to give you direction. That's why the Bible says to walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk in the spirit. And he's come, you know, Jesus said when he left, he said, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm sending you another comforter. I'm sending you somebody that's gonna help you or stand by. You know, and at the end of the day, he's here to make us, help us make those critical decisions about situations and about people. So we have to be very conscious of the Holy Spirit and His presence in our life, uh, but before I get uh, started with this message, I'm gonna I'm gonna remind you of this. See, this spiritual gift of the sermon is not just for the purpose of determining whether or not somebody's good or bad. It can also help you identify, we you know where a person is at, you know. And I but remember, this spiritual gift helps you look behind the mask to see the real person. Therefore, when someone is smiling on the outside but crying on the inside, this gift can help you see that as well. And um, I put here, you know, there are so many people hiding behind the mask of a smile that are really depressed and possibly even suicidal on the inside. And without this gift, you'll never be able to pick it up. And too many people nowadays are suffering in silence and we need to be able to hear their spiritual cry. You know so we so it's not just to look through somebody and say oh they're bad or they're good you know it's to be able to look and you know stand next to somebody that has got all this big smiling smile on their face you know god bless you praise the lord but on the inside you know they're crying you know and just be able to see through that smile and be able to see the cry on the inside and then be able to help through prayer or through an encouraging word you know and uh that, that is also what that gift is for So I don't want to make this, this message has been mostly about, you know, seeing the devil on the inside, but the bottom line is, it's also to be able to see when people are hurting and are wounded, right? So uh, this week, so we've been going over a series of individuals in the Bible, right? Um, we looked at Jezebel, right, and we talked about Ahab, and last week we spoke about Delilah and, uh, Samson right now this week we're going to talk about Balaam the false prophet Balaam and this is a lot of stuff so get ready to read a little bit turn to Numbers chapter 22 we're going to read about this guy the prophet or the false prophet Balaam in Numbers chapter 22, I'm going to read verses 1 through 22. This is a lot. But uh, I want to just kind of give you just this uh, latest foundation, and then we'll dive into this. But it says there, um, let me just take my jacket off. I'm getting hot. Thank you. So <clears throat> it says there, now mind you, this is what's going on. The Israelites have been released, have been a uh, you know, God pulled them out of Egypt, and they're now wandering around in the wilderness, and they, uh, they are approaching Moab. And now when the king of the Moabites sees them, he kind of gets a little, he gets nervous, you know. And um, it says there, the Israelites journeyed and camped in the plains of Moab. On the east side of the Jordan River, across from Jericho, and it says, and Balak, who was the king of Moab, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. You know, they tore them up. <laughs> it says, so Moab, Moab was terrified because of the people, for they were numerous. And it says, Mo- Moab was overcome with fear because of the sons of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this horde will lick up, lick up all that is around us, just as an ox licks up the grass of the field, my God, man. And it says, and Balak the son of Zippor was the king of Moab at that time. So he sent messengers to Balaam, who was a famous prophet or a diviner, the son of Beor at, at Pethor, which is by the Euphrates River in the land of the descendants of his people to call for him saying, there's a people who have come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land And they are living opposite me. And it said, Now please come, curse these people for me, for they are too powerful for me. See, a lot of wars were fought. If you ever, if you check this out, if you really read in scriptures, a lot of wars were fought in the spirit before they were ever fought in the natural. And that even goes for people that worshiped, you know, other gods. It always starts, you know, if you look at the battle between, um, you know, David and Goliath. Goliath cursed Israel by his gods. And, you know, and then when David came at him, he cursed, he cursed him by his gods. And then David, you know, responded by, you know, by telling him, you know, God's going to give me the strength to, you know, to wipe you out. You know, so it was a battle in the spirit before it was ever a battle in the natural. So and, you know, so people believed in that, you know, you know, you know, not just our God, you know, not just Israel, but other uh, nations believed in, you know, getting intervention from a divine force. So they would pray and do all of these crazy things, you know, to get the favor of their gods to help them in battle. So, you know, so now you see, he says, you know, I want you to come and curse these people. They say they're too powerful for me. So I need you to come and curse these people for me. So if you curse these people, then I'll be able to beat them. See, he understood, even he understood in the spirit, if I can get them to get cursed, I can beat them. So that's why I came tonight. you know. So he he says, now please come curse these people for me, for they are too powerful for me. Perhaps I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. Now this is the key. He says, for I know your reputation, that he he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. See, this means that, that he, had a, he had been blessing and cursing people for a long time. And God let him do his thing, <laughs> except for when it came to his people. So he had a reputation. You know, you get a reputation by doing it often. <laughs> you know, and people seeing the results. So this, they didn't call him for no reason. They, they knew he had a reputation for if you, if you bless somebody, they bless him. When you curse somebody, they curse so, I want you, so he's ready to pay this man to come and curse Israel for him. So I really just want you to, I want to paint this picture. You know, this is not some, you know, ordinary dude. He has some kind of, you know, uh, gift on him to be able to bless and curse. And these guys recognized it and was ready to pay. So it says there, so the elders of Moab and Midian departed with fees of divination. Now the word divination is, is foretelling or fortune telling they had fees for divination in hand and they came to Balaam and told him the words of Balak and Balaam said Balaam said to them spend the night here and I will bring back word to you as the Lord will speak may speak to me so the elders of Moab stayed with Balaam that night and God came to Balaam and said who are these men with you and Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent word to me. Hear this, hear this, the people who came out of Egypt cover the surface of the land. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You shall not curse the people of Israel, for they are blessed. Now this is what I want you to understand about this situation. Once God speaks, that's it. There's there's no need for going again a second time. So God tells him, don't go with these people. Don't try to even think about cursing Israel because they're blessed. And Balaam got up the next morning and said to the elders of Balak, go back to your own land of Moab for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. And the leaders of Moab arose and went back. to uh, to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balaam again sent his leaders, more numerous uh, and more distinguished than the first ones. They came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, I beg you, let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will give you a very great honor, and I will do whatever you tell me. So please come, curse these people, of Israel for me Balaam asked the servants of Balak e- even if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold I could I could not do anything either small or great contrary to the command of the Lord my God then he says now please you also stay here tonight and I will find out what else the Lord will say to me <laughs> so he, he, he went to God again so God came to Balaam at night and said to him If the men come to call you, get up and go with them. But you shall still only do what I tell you. So Balaam got up in the morning and saddled his donkey. No men men didn't call for him. He just got up, saddled his donkey, and went with the leaders of Moab. And it says, but God's anger was kindled because he was going. And the angel of the Lord took his hand, took his stand, excuse me, in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now I'm not going to, I won't go any further into that, but, but literally what happens is this angel was ready to, to kill him and he didn't see it, but his donkey saw it. So his donkey kept steering him away from the, from the angel who was ready to kill him. And uh, every time he moved out of the way, Balaam, you know, struck the donkey. He was angry because the donkey kept moving out of the way, you know. And fi- finally, the third time he was ready to kill him and uh, God opened up the donkey's mouth and spoke to him, you know, and he tells him, you know, have I ever disobeyed you? And he said, no, he said, you know, but, you know, I'm about ready to kill you, you know, because you keep messing around here. And, 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 and then God opens Balaam's eyes and he sees this angel ready to kill him. And he says, well, you know, if this displeases you that I'm going, you know, I, I, you know, I won't go. And he tells him, will go, but I want you to do what I tell you. So bottom line is, once he gets there, you know, he goes to speak to God. He erects all of these altars and stuff like that. And, and, and instead of cursing them, God puts a word in his mouth to bless Israel multiple times, three times, in fact. And Balak just gets all upset, you know. Now, I'm going to get into something real quick. But I put here, see, when Israel was traveling in the wilderness, they came... Uh, across the land of Balak which is in Moab and when Balak heard the stories about them and saw how numerous they were he greatly feared them so he hired this man Balaam to curse Israel for them because he couldn't know he couldn't defeat them without it and um, again Balaam had a reputation for cursing people and whenever he cursed somebody they was cursed and when he blessed somebody they were blessed so Balaam hired him for this purpose and I just put, however, God is so gracious that he would not allow Balaam to curse Israel. And at the end of the day, you need to understand that you, you can't curse what God has already blessed. So no devil can put no curse on you. You need to understand that. You know, no devil can put no curse on you. No man can put no woman, can put no crazy witch doctor curse on you. You know, because you're blessed and you can't be cursed. You know, God's, God's power and his hand is on your life. You know, when you was out in the world, maybe some witch doctor could could curse you because you were following the devil too. You know, so when you're on his turf, you know things can go down. But now that you're not, you don't have to worry about nobody cursing you, sticking no pen and no, no no uh, doll or nothing like that, or you know, getting a strand of your hair and burning it with chicken blood or whatever. You know, you ain't got to worry about none of that crazy stuff because you're blessed. You can't be cursed. So this man's trying to, he's trying to curse them, but he can't. They put up these altars and stuff like that, and he goes before God. And he, obviously he wants to curse them, but God's putting a word in his mouth. And he can't curse them. He can only, blessings just come out of his mouth for these people. And so that's something that you need to get excited about. And that's why you don't have to fear when you hear all of this crazy stuff, because you're blessed. And um, I put here, see, we are blessed, and there's no devil in hell or person on earth that can put a curse on us as a result. But there's still reason for concern and caution. I'm going to get that into that in one moment. So here's Balaam. He has this reputation on him. He, he, if he blesses you, you're blessed. If he curses you, you're cursed. But now he can't curse Israel. He can only bless them. And I just want to kind of get into the spirit of Balaam really quick. Turn your Bibles to Second Peter chapter two, verse fourteen through sixteen. Now, really, the spirit that rests on this man is number one a spirit of greed is on him. And now I want to let me just kind of get to these scriptures in Second Peter chapter two, verses fourteen through sixteen. I'm reading in the Amplified. It says uh, they have eyes full of adultery. Now, now that is that they are eyes that are constantly looking for sin. And I put here the the commission of sin is in an adultery against God. That's why it says their eyes are full of adultery, enticing and luring away unstable souls. See, these are individuals that are not satisfied with sinning themselves but they look to entice others to commit sin with them. You know one of the words for the devil? See, he, he's not satisfied with just, you know, uh, just being the devil on his own. See, he wants to lead others with him. He not, he not the, he, he's, he's the misery loves company type of individual. <laughs> and see, people have sometimes people have that spirit. And they're not just happy being miserable, they want you to be miserable too. Misery loves company. company, you know. So it says, see, they they're enticing and luring other unstable souls, and it says having hearts trained in greed, and I put here, you know, when your mind is full of greedy thoughts, it will teach your heart to be greedy, and see, once once thoughts get into your heart, then then they become actions, and I put here because of this, they are children of a curse. Abandoning the straight road, that is the right way to live, they have gone astray. That is what I wanted to get to. They have followed the way of the false teacher Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the reward of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his own transgression. A mute donkey spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. And as put here, see, God supernaturally used a donkey to speak to this man. But he was so filled with the spirit of greed that he continued on his path. Can you imagine, God? God, open up a donkey's mouth to speak to this guy, and I'd be—I be done with messing. And then you opens up your eyes and you see an angel ready to kill you because of the path that you're on. And he's so full of greed that he continues on the path. But it says there, see. He loved the reward of wickedness. And uh, this is a side note, but I put here Romans eleven twenty nine 29, because I wanted to just kind of uh, um, crystallize something for you. But it says, therefore, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, or they're without repentance. For he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace to or to whom he sends the call. So you need to understand something about gifts, And uh, primarily gifts, and there's a difference between gifts and, you know, um, and fruit. Gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit. There's there's two different things. So I want to just, I'm going to explain this in a second. But this is something that we obviously know about Balaam. Balaam obviously had a prophetic gift from God. No question about that. And he had a knowledge of the true and living God. His problem was that he was willing to pervert his gift as a prophet for profit. He was willing to sell what God had freely given to him. And the Bible says that he, re- he loved the reward of wickedness. In other words, he loved money. And as the scripture states, is the love of money that's the root to all other evil. Now, this greed of money had Balaam ready to curse a people that God had already told him was blessed. When he couldn't curse them, though, or when he couldn't curse them through prophecy, he resorted to other drastic measures, which I'm going to get to in a moment. But before I go on, let me just mention this. Just because someone is gifted doesn't mean that they're walking with God, necessarily. This man was obviously gifted but clearly was not in right standing with God. What happens with most people is that they get impressed by gifts, but they should be looking for fruit, right? Because the Bible says that you will know them by their fruit, not by their gifts. Gifts are freely given. You see the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. When he gives you a gift, he's not an Indian giver. He don't take it back, but fruit is developed by being in the presence of God. It's the difference. So never allow gifts to impress you because gifts, they can be deceitful. See, you know, we we, we have seen in, uh, you know, recent times, you know, you got pastors, you got people that, that are, you know, sing like like crazy. They're amazing and, you know, they bring you into the presence and stuff like that. And then, you know, you find out they're sleeping with all these women. They're committing adultery on their wife, stuff like that. All the while they're singing like, oh, (laughs) glory, you know. They got the gift on them. The gift is in operation. It's flowing, but they're they're living a double life. So gifts can be deceiving. See, God will allow you to continue to flow in that gift. If you don't repent, then he'll expose you. He'll allow you to be exposed. So if somebody gets exposed, they've been doing this for a while. This is not something that just started yesterday. You know, this is something that's been going on for quite some time. And it just, you know, God is just, you know. You know, somebody once said that the, the judgment of God, it moves slowly, but it's ever moving. It's, it, it, it moves. It's, it's constantly moving forward. Now, the he's trying to give people an opportunity to repent. That's, that's why the judgment of God moves slow, but it's ever moving. So, you know, this is what's going on with this man. He has this gift of God on him, but he's using it for a profit. He's using it to make, to make money. So let's just get into the teaching or the doctrine of Balaam, and it's, it's up there. It's in Revelations uh, chapter 2. But before we go there, let's go to Numbers chapter 25, because I want, I want you to get this scene. Now, this is immediately after Balaam, he begins to, you know, speak blessings over Israel. And then when it's all over, Balak is upset. He's like, I called you, I told you to come here and curse these people, and you blessed them three times already. And he gets upset with him, you know. And he told him, he said, look, I, I told you I could only say, you know, what, what, what the Lord put in my mouth. But then he takes Balak to the side, and he begins to speak to him. Now, we don't see this when you look at that particular scripture. It just kind of jumps right into the incident. And we and then we learn about it in Revelations. So let me just, let's go on to Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 9, and just kind of see the situation that went down. And it says there, Israel settled and remained in Shechem, And the people began to... It says, the Bible says, the people began to play the prostitute with the women of Moab by being unfaithful to God. For they invited the Israelites to sacrifice to their gods. And the Israelites ate food offered to idols and bowed down to Moab's gods. So Israel joins themselves to to Baal of Peor in worship. So they wind up messing around with the, the women of this country, you know having all of this crazy, you know, sex with them and stuff like that. And then they get them to worship their gods through this situation. And it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people who have committed sin with the Moabites and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moab said to the judges of Israel, each one of you must kill his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor and worship." Then one of the Israelites came and presented uh, to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and the whole congregation of the Israelites while they were weeping weeping over God's judgment at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And the Bible says when Phineas the son of Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest saw this he left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and he went in after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through the body. The man of Israel and the woman. Then the plague of the Israelites stopped. Now, it says, nevertheless, those Israelites who died in the plague numbered 24,000. So these guys begin to sin. And, I mean, a plague just breaks out. And 24,000 people die. Now, this is directly after Balaam tries to curse Israel, but can't. And he blesses them. Now, all of a sudden, these women go over to Israel and they entice them. To come over to them and spend time with them. Now, how did that come? To, how did that happen? This is not mentioned first in scripture until later. So in Numbers chapter 31, verses 13 to 17, it says this It says, Moses and his Eleazar the priests and all the leaders of the congregation went out to meet them outside the camp. The Bible says, but Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds who served in the war. And Moses said to them, have you let all the women live? look these are the women who caused the israelites now now here it is by the counsel of balaam to trespass against the lord in the matter of peor and so the plague came among the congregation of the lord so now much later we find out that it was balaam's counsel this is his teaching this is since he couldn't prophesy against them since he couldn't curse them he began to teach balak how to get Israel to curse themselves. Remember, I I started this with saying that you can't be cursed. We say that after every service, you're blessed and you can't be cursed. Nobody, no witch doctor can put no curse on you. What can happen, then I ended that with saying that, you know, there's still a reason for concern though. And the reason for concern is this. Although the enemy can't curse you, if you begin to mess around, if you begin to do your own thing, if you begin to start practicing sin, you'll open up the door for the curse to come on you. So Israel couldn't be cursed, but because they got themselves into sin, it cursed them. Their actions cursed them. They opened up the door for the devil to walk in. And that was through the counsel of this man, Balaam. And we find that out, of course, in Revelation chapter two, verse 14. It says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. This is Jesus speaking to the church. He says, you have some people there who are clinging to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to set a trap and a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to entice them to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols and to practice lewdness or giving themselves over to sexual vice. As put here, you know, because Balaam couldn't curse Israel, he taught Balak how to set a trap and a stumbling block for them so that they can get Israel to curse themselves. He advised King Balak to send their loose women to the Israelites, and they lured them through sex to sacrifice to their gods. And because of this, 24,000 of them died. Crazy. And I put here, this just shows us that although we can't be cursed by anyone, we can cause a curse to come on ourselves by sinning and being disobedient. Now you see Balaam couldn't curse Israel so he tricked Israel. And see, it's very important because that's what the enemy tries to do with us. He tricks you primarily through other people, friends, acquaintances, through playing on your fleshly desires and causing you to cause a curse to come on yourself. And since Balaam had a knowledge of God, he knew that our God had rules and laws that if Israel broke, they would open up the door for the curse to come on themselves. And of course, one of the biggest rules was to stay away from fornication and worshiping other gods. So it's very Im- important, see, that we, we learn, you know, the, the, the works of the enemy and how he tries to trap us. He can't stop you. You need to understand that. He can't stop you in your pursuit of the things of God he can't stop you from being blessed he can't stop you from getting doors open for you and for you, from you prospering he can't stop any of that what he can do is try to convince you to start walking the walk of sin and start doing your own thing because he knows that if you do that then he'll, he'll get you on his territory and he'll get you from underneath the, the umbrella and the covering of God and through that, he can curse you. You know. So he said, We're blessed. We can't be cursed. That's true. But if you start doing your thing, you can open up the door for that to happen to you. So this is the teaching that Balaam taught them. See, he couldn't curse them, but he taught, he taught Balak what to do. He said, Okay, I can't, I cannot put a curse on these people because God won't let me. But what I will do is tell you what you can do. This is how you can get Israel to sin and curse themselves. And then if they curse themselves, you probably be able to beat them. Gotta be, you know, the, the devil is very crafty. So this is what I want you to understand about Balaam or those that have that spirit operating through them. Because primarily it's, 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 it's a spirit that's, that's moved by greed. Number one, you have to learn how to avoid those that have a knowledge of the future, past or present, but are looking to sell that knowledge to you. And I'm not just talking about prophets. You know, I'm talking about psychics, mediums, and even, uh, even those that call themselves prophets, but charging you for the gift. Many of these individuals have a pure gift from God but have a perverted it to make a profit off, off of being a prophet. As you have to avoid that. The root cause of that is the seeking of, you know, knowledge that you don't have, particularly about the future, because people are in fear of what they don't know. They want to know what's going to happen in my future. And that's why the enemy is, can entice you because there's a promise of being able to explain to you what's gonna happen. So you can't let that, somebody lure you in through that. So I put here, avoid the temptation to run after knowledge. The reason why people fall for people that have a Balaam spirit is because they they wanna know what's gonna happen in their future. The main issue is that they don't wanna take the time to seek God in prayer for direction. They would rather get a quick fix and have someone tell them what their future holds. And I'm going to say this, but I'm not trying to downplay prophecy at all. In fact, I love to receive prophetic words myself. So I prophesize, I like to hear it. But I'm talking about running after prophecy as a substitute for getting knowledge from God. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm also talking about avoiding psychics, psychic readings, tarot cards and all that stuff and horoscopes and the search of information about your future. And I'm definitely saying to avoid people that are trying to make a profit off of the gift that God has given them. You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. You know, there's, there's people that, uh, that be on TV, you know, that, that uh, if, you, if you give them so much money, they'll prophesy to you. If you give them a little more, they'll give you a better prophecy. (laughs) They give you a $50 prophecy is good. You know, you give me a hundred dollars though. I give you real good prophecy. (laughs) It's crazy, man. And it, it perverts the gift that God has given them, you know, and some of these guys have a real gift, but just like Balaam, they run after the rewards of wickedness and they begin to pervert that gift and try to sell it, you know? A free gift. So just watch yourself with stuff like that. You know, and again, it, the, the, the draw is they're going to tell me something that I don't know. I, I want to know about my future. You know. But in order to, if you want to get direction and you want to get information, spend time with God. He'll give, give you direction for your life. So that's just number three: learning to hear from God. If you seek God, He'll begin to speak to you. That's it. He'll answer any question that you have about your past, your present or your future. He'll he'll talk to you. He'll give you direction. He'll give you wisdom. You don't have to run after somebody to seek it illegitimately or pay for it, you know, because that's leading you down a dark road. And it gets you to depend on something that you really should be going to God for. And anytime you depend on a person and you're not depending on God, you wind up in trouble. Now these are some things to understand about prophecy. Turn to first Thessalonians chapter five verses 19 to 22. I'm gonna gonna talk about this and then I'm gonna gonna get ready to wrap this up but this is very important here. First Thessalonians chapter five verses 19 through 22. Now this is in the uh, Amplified version. This is um, a full walk down of how to handle prophecy. So in verse 19, it says, now this is very important. It says, do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working of, or the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So don't quench the Holy Spirit. Now, we, quenched, we can quench the Holy Spirit by, when the Spirit begins to speak to us, we push him down. You know, he's trying to talk, but we, we're, we're trying to cut, that, cut those waters off. You quench the Holy Spirit. It's like when you, you take a match and light it and then you, you put it out. That's, quench, that's when you quench it. The Holy Spirit is on the inside burning with something and trying to tell you something, but you put it out, you quench it. So it says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to guide you. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to give you direction. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. He's trying to tell you about even people like this. Don't quench them. Don't put the fire out. Let him speak to you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Then it says, do not scorn or reject gifts or prophecy, uh, prophesy or prophecies, uh, um, but test all things carefully so you can recognize what is good. Hold firmly to that which is good. And then it says, abstain from every form or appearance of evil. Now, number one, do not despise prophesying or spurn the gifts of Or the utterance of the prophets. Do not depreciate prophetic revelations or despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. Now, none of what I said tonight was to get you to despise prophecy. None of what I said. It was only said to warn you about those that will pervert the gift of prophecy. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, It was to tell you to not run after prophecy. My bottom line is that if if I 'm in a service and it happens, praise God you know if someone prophesies to me i'm I'm grateful I welcome it and uh, I'm going to do my best to jot it down and uh, and then wait to see if it comes to pass right that's my bottom line what i'm not going to do is running place to place for it and, and pay for it I'm not going to do that you know I'm not going to call somebody up on on uh, TV and and Tell him I got a $100 bill for a prophecy. I'm not doing that. I'm not running after that information. And I put here, if God wants to speak to me, he's not, gonna, he's not going to have someone charge me for it. <laughs> Amen. If God wants to speak to me, I'm not going to have to pay for it because he can speak to me. And I just put here, I have my own relationship with God. With that being said, I'm still open to prophecy It happens. So it says, don't, don't despise prophecy. You know, don't despise it, you know, and um, in Second Chronicles twenty twenty, it says there, it says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. So I don't despise prophecy. I'm open to it. All right. Does that make sense? But right after that, it says, prove all things. In other words, test and prove all things until you recognize what is good. Now, although you shouldn't despise prophecy, you also shouldn't believe everything that you hear either. You must learn to prove or examine the prophecies that you receive. So the question becomes, how do you do that? First, you must realize that the role of the New Testament prophet has changed from the role of the Old Testament prophet. In the Old Testament, the prophet's job was to tell people what God was saying. And the reason why was because people didn't have the ability to hear from God on their own. So the Old Testament's prophet's job was to tell you what God was saying because you didn't know. But in the New Testament, God speaks to all who will listen. Therefore, the prophet's job in the New Testament is to confirm the word that God has been speaking to you. We therefore prove a prophecy by determining if it confirms what God has already been speaking to us. So it shouldn't be like if, if, if a prophecy comes to you, it shouldn't be like, whoa, whoa. I never heard that before. Like you know, thus saith the Lord, you're gonna go to Ethiopia and you're gonna preach to thousands. And you're like, well, what? <laughs> you what? Know, it's not you know, it, if if it's a prophecy from God, it should confirm what He's already been speaking to you. So you already have some knowledge of it. When He speaks to you, it's a, it's a confirmation. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, like that's what that's what I've been feeling. You know, it's to confirm. It's not to, you know, solely to give you out of this realm direction that you never thought or heard of before. So it should confirm what God is speaking to you. That's number one. Two, we make sure that we get a witness from the spirit. When you hear something, you need to check on the inside to see if it's agreeing with the spirit of if if the Holy Spirit is agreeing with what is being said. If you hear something and you get grieved you know, you start feeling it uh, on the inside, then you know that that may not be from God. You know, if there's a witness and then there's a agreement in the spirit. Does that make sense? Now, this is, of course, is evidenced by the presence or the absence of peace. Now, number three, we also prove a prophecy by making sure that it lines up with the will of God. Now prophecies from God, from God should never contradict the word of God. So if somebody tells you that someone else's husband is your husband. <laughs> then we know that prophecy ain't from God because <laughs> he never going to contradict the word of God. Is, the, the prophecy from God is not going to contradict the word of God. Does that make sense? All right. And finally, if it's a word from God, the ultimate true proof is that it comes to pass. So we just kind of, you know, if it, we're in, if it agrees, we agree with that, like, yeah, God, that's that's what God has been saying to me. And, and it's agreement with the spirit. And 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 then you feel on the end and then you check the scriptures and, you know, OK, this lines up with the word of God or this doesn't contradict the word of God. Then you kind of put it on your shelf and you see if it wait to see if it comes to pass. That's the ultimate, you know, um, that's the ultimate proof that a prophecy has been given from God. And so then the final part of that is then hold fast to that which is good, right? Prove all things. Once you prove all things, then you hold fast to that which is good. If it's in alignment with God has been speaking to you about, if there's a witness, all that stuff, then you lay it up in your heart, you know, and then you wait to see if it comes to pass. That's the true proof if a prophecy is right. So this is how this, but this is the spirit of Balaam and how it begins to operate. See, He has a spirit of greed on him. That's the true spirit that's behind it. It's a spirit of greed. He's running after money. So you get these people that run after money, and and they're already playing on the fact that people want knowledge, particularly of the future. You know, one of the biggest fears that people have is fear of the future. You know, just like they don't know what's going to happen. And for that reason, they'll pay to find out. What's gonna happen next week? What's gonna happen next year, you know? Do you see a husband for me? Do you see me being married before I'm 30? You know, like crazy stuff, you know? You know, the devil will have you run after all kinds of crazy types of knowledge, you know? Somebody, you know, died early, am I gonna get that, you know? And a lot of these people, they have a a gift on them, you know? And then some of them operate through familiar spirits. Now, familiar spirits are, are demonic forces that literally become familiar with you, and not just you, your family tree. So, oftentimes, they know more about you than you know about you. And they, they, have a, a not, they don't have future knowledge, but they more so have past and present knowledge. Primarily, and they get in through the past and present knowledge that they have. They can get you to believe the future that they're telling you. Because once you see the, the, you know, because familiar spirits can look back over your lifetime, family lifetime, and they have everything documented on you. And that's why and that's how the devil begins to really, you know, uh, entice you to sin because he knows everything about you anyway. So you got to be very careful when you're going to places like this, you know these psychics and these. I be seeing these people everywhere now. Every time I see these places, I I bind them and curse those places. We went down to the we were on the boardwalk. There was a thousand of them, and <laughs> people were everywhere. I mean everywhere. People going inside there, you know, spend all of this money trying to figure out what's going to happen in their future. You know, but they have that spirit of Balaam operating through them. They have a a gift. But they've taken that gift and they've perverted it. So he says, see, now when Balaam couldn't curse them, he put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. He put out a stumbling block. And see, that's what, again, that's what the enemy will try to do. If you don't, if, if he can't curse you, and he can't, then he'll begin to try to put a stumbling block before you. So that you can wind up cursing yourself. So, this is, um, this week we talked about the spirit of Balaam. Next week we're gonna get into, I'm not gonna do it this week because it's after nine o'clock already. But we're gonna go into the spirit of Absalom, the Absalom spirit. We're gonna get into that. But every week we're gonna try to tackle, you know, a person and the spirit that operates behind them. But the spirit of Balaam got the spirit of greed operating through him. He's a false teacher, a false prophet. And you got to keep your eyes out for these people. God will give you insight, though, and that's why you don't want to quench the spirit because the Holy Spirit is trying to give you direction and trying to tell you what's happening in and through other people. Can you say amen? All right, we're going to close. Just lift your hands to Jesus. We'll close right here. So, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Father, for giving us clarity. Letting us look in the spirit and letting us be able to see through the workings of the enemy and to know the spirit that begins to operate through people when they yield themselves to demonic forces. Father, we just thank you for opening up our eyes so that we can see, so that we're not deceived by the enemy, so that we don't allow him to take us down a wrong path and wrong direction. And so we don't allow these things to operate through us either. And Father, we just thank you in advance for just giving us wisdom, giving us insight. For you said in your word that you would not allow us to be ignorant of the devil's devices. You make sure that you give us wisdom of all of his plans and schemes. And Father, for it, we just want to thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise, the glory we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Ready to close it up. Amen, amen.